Is this just a Christian myth? Is the idea that the best sex occurs within marriage something that is only believed by church-going people? What does the research say? The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a sexy, erotic marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. We have an arousing podcast for you this week. This is episode number one. <laughs> you like how I changed that up there? Yeah. You hate saying the same thing every time. I know. Yeah. This is episode number 128. And today we're going to be talking about why the best sex happens inside marriage. Actually, it's hard to believe that going through a bunch of research might be arousing, but today we're going to take a crack at it. Hey there, before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we discussed the five love languages and looked at how this book has been impacting marriages for better or for worse. It's mm -hmm. worth going back and checking it out. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. If you're struggling with your sex life, we offer sound research-based advice and today, hope for a constantly improving sex life too. Okay, honey, let's get into this. Alrighty. So my first idea is why sexual boundaries are a good thing. And I'm going to do something very deliberate today. We're not going to refer to the Bible at all. Okay. Like we're not going to quote scripture verses. Yeah. If you've just started listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People, you need to know that Verlinda and I are born-again Christians. We're very involved in our local church. We always speak out of a Christian worldview on the show. We often refer to scripture as well, and we always refer to research. And today could definitely be a Bible-thumping episode. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, in our New Testament, there's only a handful of epistles that refrain from addressing sexual sin, from lust to fornication to adultery. So it's a common message in the Bible, right? And I think today we're going to see why. Mm -hmm. It's a common message, and it's a clear one. And I think that a lot of people, perhaps from agnostic or atheistic backgrounds, they look at Christianity and they see it as being very prudish because of these, what they see as restrictions. Mm -hmm. It's like... We're missing out on something. Yes. Mm -hmm. But I think it's actually very much the opposite. The sexual revolution of the 60s to the 80s has actually done more to erode the quality of sex that people are experiencing than it has done to enhance the quality of sex that they're experiencing. And it's telling that just now in 2017, we're starting to see articles in secular publications like the New York Times and Washington Post raising the alarm over pornography use as one of mm -hmm. the products of that revolution, right? Yeah. And they're looking at its detrimental impact on male sexuality. And this is nearly 50 years after the first adult erotic film had wide theatrical release in the USA. Wow. So where culture has got this backwards and the impressions are still inverted is that God put boundaries around sexuality not to decrease the amount of pleasure we experience, but to actually increase the amount of pleasure and sexual satisfaction that can be experienced. Hmm. This is my belief, and I think that we'll see this supported from the research today. Okay. And at the end, we're going to tell folks why this is important to their marriage and to ours, of course, as well. Sounds is that good. good? Yeah. So like our last episode, we're recording this from a campground in Florida. So if somebody fires up their Harley, that's just all part of the ambiance. All right. What? Nothing. It's I just a like the way you like waved your hands when you said and the French accent. accent there. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a podcast about sex, so you have to kind of like talk with a French accent. It just helps. Really, I'll remember that. What do the statistics say about sex with the marriage? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it just sounds so much more sultry. Okay. Okay. Overall, uh, research tends to support the idea that the best sex happens within marriage. Really. So let's start with a, a study from 
2000 by Scott and Sprecher, which compared sex within marriage to sex within dating and cohabiting relationships. And they found that married couples generally reported being satisfied with their sexual relationship. They cited a study where 88% of married couples reported being either extremely or very pleased in their sexual relationship. Hmm. And what I think is really cool is the words that these same extremely pleased or very pleased married couples used to describe how they felt about having sex. Loved, thrilled, and excited. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah. So not only are married couples typically satisfied with their sexual relationship, by the way, that's kind of a good benchmark right there to to just sit back if you're listening today and ask yourself, do I feel loved, thrilled and excited about our sex life? Mm -hmm. If you don't, this is a growth area for you. Right. There's opportunity here. Mm -hmm. So not only are married couples typically satisfied with their sexual relationship, but Scott and Sprecher also showed that studies have found that married individuals are more satisfied with their sexual relationship than single and cohabiting individuals. Really? And this was particularly the case for monogamous married respondents. I'm sorry we had to define that or qualify that. Yeah. So it's not just being married that helps, but being monogamous in marriage too. And again, you can't make any assumptions because of the sexual revolution. But this is great. It's better within marriage. But the question is why? And again, we could go to the Bible and argue that it just makes sense because God is good. He designs us to flourish when we're obeying him. That's logical. But let's go to the research again and see what these researchers are observing. What makes monogamous married sex the best kind of sex? Now, before we do that again, Verlinda, just sorry to sidebar. Mm-hmm. I want to point out that we have a bonus resource for our much appreciated supporters and patrons. Thank you to those of you who help us keep this podcast going every month. We do appreciate your support. This week's download for those of you who are patrons or would like to become a patron gives you five steps towards even better sex. And I've also included that in that download some links to books that I recommend on married sex too, including one resource. It's a free resource online that actually has sex positions illustrated with stick people. So it's not pornographic at all. It tells you what to do in a very clean way. And it's this is a resource actually designed by Christians. So it's safe for you to look at without defiling yourself. And you can get this resource and these book links and the five steps by becoming a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. We'll just take a quick 60-second break to tell you more about that. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we were talking about what studies are saying about the quality of sex within marriage versus other relationships. Now, sex within marriage when it's monogamous, is exclusive. And this is interesting, this study. They looked at what they call time horizon, meaning they asked people about the stability of their relationship and how long they expected it to last, like your duration from now, like you're looking over the horizon, right? Whether time. it's like for life or a few years. Yeah. Okay. They also asked a very specific question about sexual exclusivity. And this is the question. What is your opinion about a married person having sexual relations with someone other than the marriage partner? 
Is it always wrong? Almost always wrong, sometimes wrong, or not wrong at all. The researchers interpreted the belief that extramarital sex is wrong as an indicator of a commitment to sexual exclusivity, at least within marriage. So if they said it's always wrong, then they, then they believe that in their own marriage too. That's what the assumption was by the researchers, right? Okay. And then they asked about physical pleasure and emotional satisfaction related to the couple's sex life. And what they found is that both physical pleasure and emotional satisfaction increased with time horizon and increased with sexual exclusivity. In plain English, so, yeah. if you believe that this marriage is for life and that you're committed to fidelity, then that a marriage that ha- carries those beliefs is far more likely to have greater physical pleasure and emotional satisfaction related to sex. Hmm. Okay. So these are important clues, right? Why married sex is better. Okay. Like it's just that thing, Verlinda, if you believe that this is going to last long into the future, this relationship, yeah, and it's going to be an exclusive thing between you and I, yeah, then it's only natural that you know, we would try to make the most of this. We'll invest inside mm, this yeah. institution that we've created, this marriage, right? Okay. And when you make commitment and monogamy part of your core values, it no longer becomes about swapping out the person for someone with more skills or better features. We're not exploring uh, alternatives and thinking about where we should put our energy, right? Yeah. It becomes about continually pursuing growth together instead of that. Hmm, and that pursuit cool. over a lifetime is going to reap a far better experience than flitting like a butterfly from flower to flower. Okay. There's more results that these researchers highlighted. They said, in all cases but one, the more exclusive the sexual relationship, the greater the emotional satisfaction reported. So let me just give you the next quote to go with that. Both men and women who said that they'd had another partner in the past year during their marriage, cohabiting or dating relationship, were less emotionally satisfied. So it didn't help having another partner within the last year. Like variety doesn't improve quality. Right. Or quality of sex or Emotional emotional satisfaction. Yeah. Yeah. Women who either had another sex partner themselves or whose husband or boyfriend did report less physical pleasure from sex than do others. So you do the same thing physically, Verlinda, but the degree of pleasure that you experience is impacted by whether there was another partner. And do you think that's because of the emotional connection increases the physical pleasure? I think so, but I I don't know if it, like you could look at it almost like as a love bank. And if you're paying out disbursements to someone else, Mm -hmm. then you have less to pay to your spouse when you guys are having sex, like there's less engagement, investment, mm, even eroticism, less put in there over time uh-huh. because it's been going in other directions. Okay. So you're not as full. They also said for both men and women, the married cohabiting and engaged all reported higher levels of physical pleasure than those in relationships that they expect to end sooner within a few years. Wow. So again, this is, these are not researchers working out of like a Christian value basis, right? Or no. their study with people. It's a secular study. You can see that they're looking at people at what people are experiences without coming through our value system. But they're, they're really drawing the same core conclusion, which is that the best sex is happening inside a monogamous committed marriage. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I want to come back to the butterfly thing and this idea of focusing on one person though. I think this is important. Like instead of flitting from flower. Flitting from flower to flower. Good alliteration. So these same researchers, Waite and Joyner, they took their research one step further. They concluded that time horizon, that's the idea that you're committed over your lifespan, yeah. and sexual exclusivity, improve sexual satisfaction because the way in which they facilitate emotional investment into a particular relationship and specialization in that partner. Okay. And in English, they said... They just made that all sound very unsexy. They did. It's just the same thing where it says, when I'm committed to you long-term and committed to you exclusively, I'm going to pour more into this relationship and becoming really good at having sex with you. Gotcha. Right? Specialization. Right. So they used another variable called sexual investment. 
They tied sexual investment to various sexual behaviors, including the number of times a couple has sex per month and the frequency of orgasm for both the male and female partner. Hmm. And basically they're saying that investing in sexual activity with your spouse and developing your sexual skills are going to result in an increase in the frequency of orgasm. I think that makes sense. Yes. And they showed in their study that sexual investment increased both emotional and physical benefits from sex. So this oh, idea investment of invest investment. Yeah. Okay, go on. Emotional and physical benefits from sex. Like it wasn't huh. just... Um, emotional even. Like I'm, I'm feeling closer to you, but it's actual physical benefits yeah. too. Yeah. Quality of the pleasure. Wow. Yeah. And so you became, these folks became better at it, but there's this other super important piece where you invest in your spouse whom you love, you're incentivized to please him or her because you get direct satisfaction from pleasing him or her. And the longer you expect to be in a sexual relationship, the more incentive you have to make this investment, right? So this becomes a positive cycle. The more you invest, the more satisfaction is returned. The more satisfaction that's returned, the more that you want to invest. Oh, okay. In the marriage, okay. Which, which is where I see this, this study really making a useful point. And in terms of quality and quantity, they noted the following, that more sex is associated with more emotional satisfaction with sex. More sex is associated with more... Emotional satisfaction. With your sex. Yeah. So the more you have sex, the more satisfied you are with your sex. There's, yes. There's, well, there, just note there's correlation, not necessarily causation. If you think about people that are having sex more frequently, it's probably because they both want it. And there's a more emotionally fulfilling experience there for them. Okay. Right. Okay. Whereas if people are not having sex very often, it's, there's probably some emotional, I would say there is mm-hmm. almost hundred percent. There's some emotional disconnects that are happening. Okay. So these two things go hand in hand, okay. quantity and, quality. and emotional satisfaction. Okay. Okay. They also noted that both partners are more emotionally satisfied the more frequently the woman has orgasms during sex. So I think this is a call to husbands to get good at helping your wife cross the finish line. Okay. Just don't become too goal oriented about that. Like you have to push her (laughs) over because she's going to feel that too. Yeah. Right. Physical satisfaction. This is another point they made. Physical satisfaction with sex is higher for men and women who have sex more often. And when the female partner always or usually has an orgasm. Well, that makes sense too. Otherwise, she's just kind of doing him all the time. Mm-hmm. And it won't be as physically satisfying. Right. doesn't feel as good. And that's going to have an emotional cost too, though, because mm-hmm. it's always about the other person. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So you see yeah. how these things yeah. all tie together. So the more investment a couple puts into the sexual relationship, the more able they are to know and meet the needs of their specific partner, of their spouse. And a perfect place for this to happen is in the exclusive and lifelong context of a marriage relationship. Right. Yeah. And I'll just say on a side note here too, Verlinda, if our listeners are needing to brush up on their skills on the female orgasm, we have a terrific resource on this where Verlinda interviewed Shannon Etheridge and we're actually, we'll list one of her books in the bonus download for this show. You can get that podcast at oif.link slash 57. oif.link slash 57. 57. Okay. But there's one more important piece to all of this. There's the Harley Davidson that we predicted in the background there. (laughs) The joys of state campgrounds. Hey, we're in Florida. It's warm. No, mm-hmm. no complaining. Okay. The, more, the next important piece is that sex within marriage is guilt-free sex. So you could, because you could make the argument, what about a long-term cohabiting relationship? Why doesn't that work just as well? Yeah. I met a guy once in where we used to live, said, uh, I I'm as committed to her in this marriage, or sorry, in this relationship as I would be in marriage. I don't see why we should go stand before a priest. And they've mm-hmm. been together 20 plus years. And he was a good dad. Mm-hmm. I'm drawing a total blank on what you call yourself if you're not a husband, but a good partner to her mm-hmm. emotionally, right? And do you know what? Ironically, they got married within a couple of years of that conversation. Did they? Yeah. Oh, cool. I didn't know that part. Yeah, they did. So 
it turns out that sex within marriage is more satisfying than sex within long-term cohabiting relationships. And the researchers think it's because of guilt. Hmm. So in a 2016 study, Hackathorn, Ashdown, and Rife showed that compared to any other form of sex, sex within marriage is completely guilt-free. So we have this thing we all can experience called sex guilt. And previous research has shown that there are correlations between religious beliefs and lower frequency of and desire of sexual activity. Basically, they're saying that religious beliefs can lead people to feel guilty of their sexual activity, which causes them to enjoy it less. That's their suggestion. Okay. okay. And this is a valid concern. It's not saying that being a Christian is a bad thing, but there have been wrong teachings about the joy of sex within Christian and non-Christian circles okay. related to religious beliefs, right? Okay. However, the results of this study show that sex guilt mediates the relationship between religious and sexual satisfaction for unmarried individuals, but not for married individuals, which means that... So married individuals don't have the sex guilt. Right. And the researchers actually coined the term sacred bed phenomenon, which used, which they used to describe the belief that there is such a thing as a sacred marital bed, a place where sexual activity can be enjoyed free from guilt. Hmm. And that place is inside marriage where couples have no reason to feel guilty about engaging in sexual activity. And as a result, this frees them up to experience higher levels of sexual satisfaction than unmarried, even cohabiting couples. Really? Yeah. So guilt-free sex. So if you're cohabiting today, I would urge you to seriously consider marriage hmm. and not just for the quality of your sex. <laughs> it's the right thing to do as well. What? I don't know. I just thought this was funny. <laughs> Quick, get married so you can have better sex. Oh, I see. Yeah. Now, I did mention near the start, Verlinda, that I'd summarize why all this is important to one's marriage. And what I want to challenge our listeners on is you have the opportunity to create something within your marriage that is richer, deeper, and more thrilling than something that you can create anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And on this, I want our listeners to think about investing in their marriage sexuality. So what does that look like? Well, it's going to look like different things for different people. It may be making yourself more available to your spouse. Mm, instead of having a headache every night. It may be, yeah, it could be investing emotionally in your spouse so that when you do come together to make love, you actually feel like you're making love, not just two people who are doing it. Hmm. Yeah. And like some of these are like, like, let's not be mistaken. These, some of these are like six, 12, 24 month strategies here. Like it might take right. you a while to heal and get here, but this yeah. is, this is worth it, right? Maybe your commitment to your marriage has drifted and you realize that sort of that intrinsic mental piece related to your commitment is not what it should be. And so this gets symbolized and expressed in your sex. And like, what do you need to do then to recommit internally? So your spouse knows they're number one. Maybe you haven't been like unfaithful in the most obvious sense of the word, like you've had an affair, maybe you've yeah. not, but maybe it, perhaps loyalty and fidelity have become a problem. There's small, and I'm doing air quotes around the word small, the small ways in which you're unfaithful and you're diverting your sexual energy and interest towards the woman that you rubberneck at, rubberneck at mm -hmm. in the mall, driving down the road, or could be wives, there's men you admire mm -hmm. on the street in the grocery store. And some of your energy is going in those directions instead of everything going into your, to your relationship, right? Hmm. It could be that cutting profane movies and TV shows from your media consumption is necessary. Like, you know, hmm. you could never get Brad Pitt, but you're, you're sitting there watching him. You're lusting after him. That's energy going towards an image on a screen. That energy is given to that instead of to your spouse. Okay. Right? Okay. Yeah. And so you really want to think about taking all the emotional and sexual energy and interest you have and cultivating that into the fertile soil of your marriage, like putting it all in there. Yeah. This is how you build a passionate, thriving sex life. Hmm. 
you could even look at it the same way as an athlete looks at it, right? How's that? Like if they're going, you know, they're going to run the 100 meters at the Olympics. They don't worry about high jump and swimming and whatever. They focus on one thing. Right. They cut out, you know, the junk food that doesn't feed them and serve them. They organize all of their lives around that singular goal. And not that we have to organize our whole lives around sex, but all of our sexual lives should go yeah. focus on one person right. in our marriage, right. our spouse. Right. Total devotion. Yeah. Do you think your spouse is going to feel that? Oh, yeah. 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 What do you think that's going to do to the quality of sex life? Oh, that'll like blow it through the roof. Right. We're all about taking roofs off, people. <laughs> okay, love. Mm-hmm. Okay. Should we wrap this up? Yep. Before it gets any hotter. <laughs> so in closing, again, we want to thank... Josh and Maya, and also Jessica, that have become patrons between this recording and our previous one. We really appreciate you guys coming on board to support us and for your help in continuing the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. And to all of our patrons, uh, you guys are really making this happen. You're there for us every month, and we sincerely, sincerely appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So we also want to shout out a huge thank you, Caleb, for iTunes reviews again. And this one is from Blue Gina, who says, Lifeline, five stars. I have become a student of Caleb and Verlinda, listening to each episode multiple times, taking notes, journaling. Thank you. My marriage is in desperate need. We are honored to be a help. Yeah. And good for you for doing the work. Oh, yeah. I just, I love how you can see that in so many of these reviews. Hey, like that yeah. they're like, okay. I'm doing this. Buckle down, like they're taking it serious. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Next week, Verlinda, we're going to talk about the impact of trauma on marriage. And if you're listening and you're like, oh, I don't think I need that episode. I'm going to challenge you, just listen to it anyways, because far more of us have experienced trauma than we think. Hmm. And it's becoming more and more evident to me that I'm seeing how much this impacts our marriages. Even if the trauma wasn't from the marriage or something's happened in the marriage. Oh, really? The consequences of the trauma are played out in your marriage. And so I I really hope that this episode will help raise awareness of this. Obviously, we're not going on a witch hunt. We're not looking to create things where they aren't. Yeah, yeah. But it is something to think about and look at how our marriages, if this is your experience, how our marriages can turn this thing around and serve as a place of healing as well. Mm-hmm. Perfect love, Cass. Amen. Well, that is all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oyf.link slash 128. That's 128. Find out how you can help. Go to oyf.support. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Belinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.